0: You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded September 12th, 2021. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Yeah, so I appreciate you all being here. I want to remind you that this evening we're having a special service at 6 o'clock. E41 will be singing again, but also uh, Pastor Jonathan Falwell will be here from uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church down there in Lynchburg. Um, uh, Many of you know that this church Shenandoah Valley actually started out of Thomas Road and it was Dr. Falwell, Jerry Falwell, that sent some fellows up here uh, to get this church started. And that was back in the early 70s and uh, the doors are still open today, amen? Amen. Everything. So we're very grateful for that. So it'll be a, f- a special evening service as we're kind of uh, tying in this week, beginning last week, this week with missions and all and uh, church planning and kind of putting those things together as uh, the heart of God. You know what we need to be doing and everything is sharing the gospel through the ministry of the local church and with one another. So I hope that you'll plan on being here this evening um, and we'll, we'll have a joyous time in the Lord. Take your Bibles if you would this morning. And go to the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. Sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. Now I want to ask you something. How many of you have ever been horseback riding? Okay, been horseback riding. All right, pretty much, and you know. all. So um, uh, I've had my experiences on horses. Uh, David, do you have those uh, slides up there? <laughs> now some of y'all might remember this. I think I was probably, I don't know, five years old, right around there. But we had a guy coming through our neighborhood with a horse. You know, he was just walking down the street. Any kids, you know, want to have a picture, he put them up there, picture. I think it was a dollar or something like that, you know. But this is my first experience with a horse. And then the next one will pop up there, I think. There we go. That's back in a time when I had hair. Oh, that was uh, that. I think that was my uh, sophomore year at Bill Rice Ranch, and uh, they had you know a ranch theme around there. We were actually taking a ride out to a chuck wagon. Okay, and we go out to the chuck wagon there, we had breakfast and all that stuff, you know, the chuck wagon style. And he goes, thank you David, you can go ahead and take those down. But um, in between there was a um, not so pleasant experience. And I was at a YMCA camp, I think about 6th grade and such, and they had horseback riding. but you know it was just kind of on the trail. You know, you're just doing one of these, you know, following the trail. The horses, they all know what to do, they follow one another. Well we got to this big Opening. I mean, this huge field, and the guide said, Okay, listen, you can gig them. You know, go ahead and kick them and everything, run across the field and all that. So I was like, Man, this is going to be great. So we spurred the horses and everything, and here we go across the field, you know. That, and these horses, again, they know what to do. So we're going, but something odd started happening. As we're going down there, I started going like this on the horse. I'm starting going over like this. I think what, and so I'm pulling on this horse. He's not stopping, man. I mean, he's his head's going back. He knows what to do. He doesn't stop until he gets to the end of the veil, everything. So I'm going further and further over this horse. And just as we came to a stop, saddle and everything, boom, right off. And what happened that bridle under there that holds the saddle one had snapped. And And so I just started doing one of these and when it stopped, here I go. Everything down there. So that wasn't too pleasant of an experience, but we've all been around horses. We've all had maybe the opportunity to ride or at least see them or, or pet them or whatever it may be. You know, We're familiar with horses. And so uh, well, what, what I understand is we're looking in Revelation chapter six. Um, horses play a prominent role in Scripture. You know, you remember back in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and everything, they heard a noise like you know thunder. What is that? And they turned around and here comes Pharaoh on his chariot pulled by horses. Okay, so horses had a prominent role there during Christ's time, the Roman Empire and you know, all with the horses and such and the chariots and all. And then of course the Bible teaches in Revelation chapter 19 that when Jesus comes back, He's coming back and those with Him are all coming back on horses, right? Coming back on horses. So horses play a prominent role in Scripture. But what we're looking at this morning in chapter 6 horses are going to uh, present an ominous warning of events to come an ominous warning of events to come. Let's go there to the book of Revelation chapter 6. Now if Revelation is in chronological order, and I believe that it is, we see that um, uh, when it first starts out, you know, John and everything, he is referring to uh, things that um, um, have been already. Matter of fact, uh, the Lord comes to him. Where is John when he uh, writes the book of Revelation? You Remember? (laughs) He's on the Isle of Patmos, right? He's on a penal colony. He has been placed there for no other reason than the name of Jesus Christ, that he named Christ. He wasn't a criminal, he wasn't a thief, he wasn't a thug, he wasn't a rapist, anything like that. He just named the name of Jesus Christ. So as a result, he ended up on the Isle of Patmos. And there the Lord appeared unto him and gave him a commission to write the things that he would see. And so in chapter 2 and chapter 3, John sees the church age or the age of grace or that time that we are in right now represented by his address to the seven churches and then if John is a type of the church which I believe he is, we see in chapter 4 that he is taken up. He is caught up and he is immediately in the presence of of the eternal God. All right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He was in front, stood before the great I am. Back in chapter one, real quickly. In all verses 17 and 18, you'll notice, John says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And had the keys or the authority of hell and death. So this is who John sees. And I think the great I am, the eternal God, as he is caught up and raptured up later on there in Revelation. So now what we want to see here is what we're just going to term as the four horsemen. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, all right? And what these four horsemen give us or present to us today is kind of a reader's digest uh, version, if you please, of the Antichrist and his arrival. Not only his arrival, but also his failed rule and God's ensuing judgment during the time known as the tribulation period, all right? So we're going to see this encapsulated in these four horsemen. Some of you um, are familiar with songs from back in the 60s and 70s, right? Eric, I know you are. We love that music back there. How many of you remember a British duo by the name of Chad and Jeremy? Do you remember them? Okay, and one of the songs that they sang is they did not want to live in a world without love don't want to live in a world without love. Well folks, what we are going to see presented by these four horsemen is literally a world without love. A world without love. A world totally devoid of God, His knowledge, and His love. So let's look first. In chapter 6 we'll notice the white horse. Verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, "Come and see!" And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now let's break this down a little bit. There's three things I want to point out. This is the arrival of the Antichrist. The Church Age is past. John. is a type of church has been raptured, caught up, and he is before the Lord. Now we're seeing what is going to take place here on this earth by reason of these four horsemen. So after all that takes place, this Antichrist, this man is going to come along basically and say, I have the answers, okay? Now here's what I want you to think. I want you to just imagine for a moment, okay? Today. Pick a day. I don't care, today, tomorrow, if we see it, yesterday. So this world's going along. All of a sudden in the moment, the twinkling of the eyes, the Bible says, and all, there's upward to I don't know, maybe a billion, a billion and a half. I don't know. I don't know how many believers are on this earth. But can you imagine the disappearance, the sudden disappearance, of over a billion people, those who name the name of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine the turmoil that our society would be in? Can you imagine the cars going off the road? Can you imagine what's taking place in the workplaces and all? When people look around and say what just happened? My my workers, my fellow workers, they're not here anymore. What happens to family members where some are saved and some aren't? What happens to those nurses that are walking by uh, the NICU or or where all the babies are? They're gone! Can you imagine in all the chaos that this world is going to be thrown into? Who's got the answers? Where are we going to turn to? Our governments are confused. What's going across the airwaves and everything? We just don't know. Matter of fact, somebody's probably going to suggest that Martians came. It took a bunch of people. But people are going to be gone. This world's going to be thrown into chaos, you see. Somebody's got to come along and say, hey, I got the answer. Hey, listen, I know what to do. Just give me control. And this is what we're seeing in this white horse. Notice it is a white horse, the rider on the white. White in Scripture is always a symbol of peace or purity. So at first going to come along in a peaceful manner all right in a peaceful manner but notice also look what's in his hand it's not the staff of a shepherd is it it's not that which would gently gently prod his sheep or be able to reach down and rescue him and pull him out of a pit but it's a bow it's implement of war All right? It's an implement of war. And then we see what's he going to do with that bow? He's going forth to what? Conquer. He's going forth to conquer. And notice, a crown was given to him. Crown is a symbol of authority. Authority has been given or conferred upon this rider on the white horse. In other words, Here comes a man along and says, I've got the answer. You give me control, I'll solve this thing. And the authorities of the world whoever that might be at the time are going to say, it's yours. Take it. Run with it. (laughs) We give it to you. And so now the crown has been given; it's been conferred upon Let him. See, and now we're going to be we're going to begin to see and everything his rule, his failed rule during this time called the tribulation period. Well, what follows next is a rider on a different color horse. If you'll notice with me, please, in verse three, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, "Come and see." And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So are you kind of getting the picture here? So here this rider comes, he's got this bow and he's going forth to conquer. Well now the authority has been given to him. Notice how he is dealing with that, alright? So he's not coming as a shepherd. He's not coming as a man of peace that he precluded to be, but rather he's coming as a man of war. In other words, it's my way or no way, alright? This is what's taking place. So let's look there for just a moment. And notice it is a red horse. So let me ask you something, those of you who are a little scientific and all. Mars, Okay? that planet that we're all trying to get to, right? They're trying to build something. Well hey, we got to the moon, now let's go to Mars. And I'll, Well Mars is also referred to as the what planet? The red planet. Okay? The red planet. And is it any coincidence that the Roman god of war is named Mars? Okay? So here we have Mars read and we see war that is going to take place. Because what did he say here? He's going to take peace from the earth that we should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword alright? Matthew chapter 24 when Jesus is describing what things are going to be like during this tribulation period says uh, there that there will be anarchy and civil conflict, that nation will rise against nation, nations will divide, be divided against themselves we're not talking about a war of the U.S. and Russia, we're not talking about a war of the U.S. and China, we're talking about a war of the U.S. against the U.S. we're talking about a division within our own land and other lands the same way You know the Bible's very clear in the book of Proverbs that a house divided against itself what? It can't stand. It can't stand. And would you agree with me that because of the division and the divisiveness and all that we are seeing in our country today that we're watching our country implode? We're watching it implode in every way, with every newscast that seems to go about. And then notice, power was given to what? Take peace. Take peace. You know, I believe it is Peter and talking about the last days. that said in the last days that men shall cry, peace, peace. But you know what? There'll be no peace. What are we here today? We're at peace, don't we? We need peace in the Middle East. We need peace in these other lands. We're looking for peace here. We're looking for peace there. And everybody's trying, trying to find that peace. Matter of fact, people are even go into addiction to try to find peace just to get away from stuff. They're searching, they're hungry for peace. But the Bible says there will be no peace during this time. And the fact that it was given to him a great sword this points out that he is going to implement his rule at all cost. At all cost, no matter what. At all cost he will implement his rule. You know, Dr. Harry Ironside, I don't know, Scott, you ever read any of his? Yes, <laughs> Harry Ironside, I believe, was the Dean of Theology of the Dallas Theological Seminary for many years. And in describing this, you know, Dr. Ironside said this, this represents the breaking up of all established order. The breaking up of all established order. The breaking up of the roles of the home, gender, government, church. It's all got to be wiped out, you see. And it must be restarted or reset. Some of the words that we hear today. What do we hear from the woke crowd, from BLM, from Antifa, from Marxism and everything to destroy all the established things that are there? We've got to redo it. It's got to be reworked. It's got to be reset. Okay? We're seeing, you know this is what call, Jesus I believe called birth pangs. Now we men we don't understand that. Okay? I mean, you know, when a wife is going through birth and everything, and a husband comes up and says, Honey, I know what you're going through. No, you don't. Okay? We have no clue about that. But those birth pangs, we know what they are, right? And all uh, the, the, wh- those birth pangs are telling us something is going to happen. All right? A woman knows that because of those pains, the birth of her child is near. Folks, I believe today we are seeing birth pangs. We're seeing birth playing now, it's going to get intense, it's going to become more, uh, more fierce because it's all pointing up to what? The coming of Jesus. It's all pointing up to the coming of Jesus Christ. Now we've seen a white horse We've seen a black, uh, a red horse. Now let's look at this black horse. Let's pick it up in verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he sat on him, had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. But see, you don't hurt the oil and the wine." So let's kind of look at a natural progression if we could. Here comes a man that has been given literally the authority of the world. And so the way that he is going to implement his uh, administration is through war. You're going to do it this way. Either this way or you know what? You're not going to be around. And so we have war going on and what follows war but what the black horse represents, and that is famine. That is famine, alright? And you know we've already been through a lockdown, don't know if we're going to go through any more. Don't know if you've read it, but you see uh, the measures that I believe it is Australia has taken over there. And I mean it has just been a severe lockdown and punishable You know, by fines, jail, something if, if not adhered to. <laughs> But when we think of that, what are we seeing? Even today in our culture we're seeing sparse food shelves in some way. Reduced farmland, shuttered um, um, processing food, uh, food plants and even catastrophic prices. You notice how inflation everything's going up we're seeing these things already take place as a result. And how do we know this thing's going to get bad? Well, look what he says there. When he says a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny, basically a penny represented a day's wage. So what this represents, it's going to take you a day's wage to pay for a day's meal. So now think about the choice that people are going to have to make. Do I pay my bills? Do I eat? Do I put gas in my car? Do I eat? Do I take my children to the doctor? Do I eat? You see the choice? You know we don't have that issue today do we? Matter of fact I dare say that if we would go to each other's homes and everything and open up the pantry and the refrigerator we've probably got enough food to last us for a little while don't we? But this is going to become a, a time when food is going to be scarce and it's going to take a day's wage to pay for just one meal for that day. But notice, while that is what most of the people of the world are going to face, he says but don't touch the wine and the oil. These are symbols of wealth. All right. So here let me put this into perspective here. Let's take a guy like Bill Gates. If gas goes up to $10 a gallon, you think that's going to matter to him? If it goes up $10 a gallon, you and I is probably riding bicycles, amen? Yeah. Okay? It ain't gonna bother him a bit. Not a bit. What if the electric bill? What if your electric bill, last month's bill and everything just increased 10 times? So now you're looking at a thousand, fifteen hundred dollar electric bill. You think that Bill Gates worries about that? Not at all. And when you and I are going from store to store and place to place and everything just trying to find enough food and everything to last for the day, he's probably having food shipped in on his own private charter. You see? You see what I'm talking about? Now look, there's nothing wrong with being rich at all. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required, right? Okay, there's a responsibility that goes along with that. You know, God gives in order that we can give and such. But too often and everything, there's that mentality of just getting more and more and more and more and more. Okay? But this is, what I, this is what I want to point out to you of where things are going. And we what we are seeing today, how close we are about getting there. So we have a white horse, we have a red horse, we have a black horse that represents famine, and now the next horse. And let's pick it up if you would in verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat upon him was death and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the field. Man, did you kind of get that picture there for a minute? I mean, is this a picture, you know, something you want hanging in your living room? I don't think so, but yet this is this is real life. This is real life. What are we seeing here? Look at that death. Hell followed him. Now notice, and power was given, again, this authority figure has the authority of the world to implement his program. And what are we seeing? A fourth part, to to kill a fourth part of the earth. Now notice what it said. It didn't just say a fourth part of the world, did it? It said a fourth part of the earth. It's life on earth. I believe that's human life, I believe it's plant life, I believe it's animal life. What are we seeing taking place out in California? What's taking place out there? In some places you're seeing the death of the earth in that locale. I just read in the paper, was it Spain? Now Spain is facing some devastating fires over there. You know we're seeing death of the earth, life in there. A fourth part of it. He's going to kill with the sword. And with what? Hunger? What was the horse previous? That was famine. That was hunger. And what follows famine? Death. Death. Like I said, we have no idea of that, but you know what? There are some countries that do. You ever see what takes place over in Africa? In some ways. No food. I show you the pictures of children starving. Barely breathing. Able to hold on? See? Do you see the picture here? Do you see the progression that has taken place? Death, disease, pestilence. Jesus said in Matthew 24, which is the word contagion meaning transmittable diseases. <laughs> We're kind of fighting some things today, aren't we? We thought we came to an end of it. Now here comes Another. And wonder when that you know come you know starts slowing out. Oops! Here comes another. You see, and yeah, people are dying. We get that. We understand. People are dying. So now you might be thinking, well, preacher, now that you have thoroughly depressed us, where do we go from here? What's the next step? Well, let me try to encourage you through the Scripture for just a moment. Number one, we need to remember who's king. Amen? We need to remember who's on the throne. Joe Biden's not on the throne. Donald Trump's not on the throne. Okay? Vladimir Putin's not on the throne. And whoever the little Chinese guy over there in China is, he's not on the throne. Jesus Christ is on the throne. Okay? He's on the throne. He's the one that's high and lifted up and rightfully adored. He's the one, the Bible says, look up for redemption draweth nigh. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in your church. For, what? <laughs> believe also in me. And you know, I like when he said, I'm going to come again. I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare for you a place. And if I go to prepare for you a place, you know what, Eric? I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, Barbara, there you may be also. Amen. We keep looking at Jesus. Three scriptures. I want you to write them down as far as the text goes. I'll just speak that real quick. John chapter 14, verse 1. I just said it. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. I hate rising gas prices. I hate the rising cost of food. I hate you know, what we see going on in this world today and everything you know, with all the political corruption and all that's taking place. But you know what? Don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God this morning, you know what? Believe in Christ. Yeah. <laughs> believe in Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 tells us to be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about things folks. Don't worry about things. You know why? Because Christ is on the throne. Because God's program is is running out. see? And He's working all things for our good. You know that? All things for our good. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't get stressed. Don't get anxious. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Be ready to give answer when asked of your church membership. What is it? Thank you, Kathy. Be ready to give answer when asked of the hope that is in you. I don't know about you, but my hope's Jesus. I don't have hope in my retirement. I don't have hope in my job. I don't have hope. I don't have hope in Jesus. That's all we got hope in. And praise God we do. And here's the thing we need to understand, folks. You know, people are looking for hope today. Sadly, they're looking for it in all the wrong places. Remember that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places? You remember that song? That's what people are looking for hope in. Whether it's in drugs, in relationships, in the bottom of the bottle, whatever it may be, they're looking for hope, they're looking for escape, and you and I have the answer. Here's the thing, we have got to be ready to give that answer when asked of us. Wally, how come you're not worried about things? Be ready to give answer. Of the hope that's in you. Shane, how come you're not cringing your hands and stuff? Why? Be ready to give answer of the hope that's within you. You see what I'm talking about? People are looking, folks. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. Are you ready today?